To support our work at the Izzy and Murtada Picture Show and the work of other independent creators like us, sign up to listen to the podcast on Nebula. Nebula is the creator-owned streaming platform that hosts great videos and podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Sign up today at nebula.tv slash picture show, and you'll get access to this podcast plus other great podcasts and videos. Sign up at Nebula and help support independent media creators. That's nebula.tv slash picture show. Hi, I'm Mortada. And I'm Izzy. And this is the Izzy and Mortada Picture Show. We are back. We took a week off for Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a good vacation. And now we are in December. We will have a busy December, although we're not working. At least I'm not working after the 15s. Izzy, I think you're taking time off too, right? Yes. Well, I will be in London so if anyone wants to say hi <laughs> when are you going to be in london when starting when the 7th through the 12th okay all right so which means we will try to record like um a few episodes to tide you through december um yes. because we've seen many of the movies that are going to be opening um this um this month um but anyway, today, we're recording this on November 28th, but on December 1st, the Friday, um, opening in New York and L.A. is Poor Things, the movie that won the uh, Golden Lion at Venice, the second or no, the third of four collaborations between Yorgos Lantimos and Emma Stone. Um, and one of the most anticipated movies of the award season right Izzy that's correct (laughs) so I saw this movie at the New York Film Festival um and I loved it and Mm -hmm. I have always been an Emma Stone fan I thought that people don't give her credit um for what an inventive and just amazing actor she is for her range for her comedic chops um for her screen presence um and they just take her for granted as a pretty young white woman but i think she's much more than that i think she's in the mold of a shirley mclean or a madeline khan someone who um is a wonderful actor madeline but also... khan is a stretch <laughs> well you know it's 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 my opinion <laughs> <laughs> you know what i want to say is that she's somebody who can land a laugh and yes. also be dramatic while having this amazing screen presence that just announces her as a star. And I think all of these things are apparent in this performance in Poor Things. I would venture to say, in my opinion, that it's probably her best performance and not because she is doing something that she hasn't done before, but it's just that she's doing a lot of things um, in this film, the role itself just asks too much of her. She's on screen almost the entire time, and there's so much asked of her as she starts. You know, the movie is about this woman who um, is uh, commits suicide, and then the scientist played by Willem Dafoe puts the brain of her unborn child into her body. So she has a body of a 30-something woman, but she's actually a child. 
And so that's the premise. And so she has to act all of these things as these as this woman grows up. I love this movie, but I think you maybe have another opinion. <laughs> well, I, I liked it. I didn't dislike it. I'm a very big um, Yorgos Lanthimos fan. So to me, like, I doubt that I'm ever going to, so far, I have not seen one of his that I was like, oh, I hate this. But yeah. I think I was not, I wasn't on like the A plus train. I was on like the B plus train. Oh, B plus is very good. Yeah. Um. I think some of it I just found a little obnoxious. I think, like, to a certain extent, his films are always a little obnoxious. Yes. Like, I think the way that he writes his dialogue, I usually really like, but I found it kind of irritating in this. It felt, I mean, obviously a lot of people have been making um, comparisons to Barbie because mm-hmm. they're kind of similar. It's like girl raised in this very specific world, breaking out and kind of discovering what life is all about in the real mm-hmm. world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And some of the things that I found annoying about Barbie, I think, were kind of also at play here, where it's like you can't just say what a thing is because she doesn't know what it is. So it's like, oh, sex is like jumping vigorously. And it's just like, oh my, <laughs> like that's not funny. Like, I just don't think that's funny. And um, there were so many examples of things like that throughout the film that I just kind of eye rolled at. Yeah. Similarly, like, I also think that she did a really good job, particularly in the back half, mostly back third. But the first third where it was just kind of her, you know, Walking like a baby. Frankenstein era. Yeah. (laughs) I was just kind of like, okay. It felt a little like not about her performance, but like the, that role is very acting school to me where it's like the challenge today is pretend like you don't know how to walk. And it's just like, oh, like I'm not interested in it. Well, um, I felt the opposite. I think she's very strong in the third too, but I enjoyed the first part because I think, you know, the walking like a baby, the sort of throwing things, the mm-hmm. awkwardness in all her movements, I think it allowed her, it gave her the chance to use her physical comedy, which she's very good at. Um, and I found yeah. all those things funny, but also here because she's playing, for lack of a better word, a baby. Um it just felt uh, had a little more heft to it than just she's not doing it just for laughs she's doing it because that's how this person would act and I thought of her interaction especially with um, Rami Youssef who's wonderful in this film and he plays sort of the apprentice to William Defoe's scientist the person who um, is monitoring her as she's growing up quote unquote, Mm. and just the interplay between them, I thought was really wonderful. And they found this together, they found this chemistry of like, of liking each other and not really like love. It's not like a sexual chemistry, but it's a chemistry of how you become comfortable with someone who's because, because they're always there. They're always with you um, and and how you get to know them. And they they had that familiarity. So, you know, we're not going to spoil it, but by the end, their relationship sort of transforms and becomes something else. And when we get to that in the third part, which we're talking about, and she's matured and she's now, you know, a sophisticated person who l- learns about the world and all of that, it felt very believable that this would be the arc of that relationship. And I think that, sort of relationship and those two actors she and Rami were so great together and it sort of bounces off her other very physical relationship with Mark Ruffalo mm-hmm. which is more of a sexual thing 
yeah, totally. I um totally agree with that. Um I think I think one of the problems, or I guess not the problem, but something that I kept finding myself thinking about when I was watching it, I was sort of like, am I missing a more complicated point that it's trying to make? Or mm. is it really making a point that's kind of as simple as I think it is? Does that what, make sense? Yes, yes. What is the point you thought it was making? Well, to me, I was like, I, it's just sort of illustrating the the idea of growing up is like kind of learning a to like be cynical about the world but then also pulling yourself back from that and like making a space mm -hmm. that is personal and like not just about how much the world sucks mm -hmm. and then there's like you know the the parallel of like going through puberty and all that kind of stuff yeah but then i was also like okay and <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just sort of like, I don't know, like nothing about it. There wasn't a moment where I was like, oh, I feel extremely emotionally invested in this in the sense that in the way that I have in like other films that have come out this year where you just like feel it physically in your gut mm -hmm. and you're just like, oh, my God, like that's something I've never thought about before. Like I've never seen this depicted like this before. Mm -hmm. um, and so like I think there's a lot of really interesting things about it. And I think everybody's doing a really great job, but it just felt like it kind of fell flat because the ideas to bolster all of the really cool stuff that was happening, like weren't necessarily there. Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't entirely disagree with you. Um, yeah. I think it's not as basic as Barbie because Barbie. No, no, about no, no. I don't think it is either. <laughs> yeah, Barbie's about what it means to be a woman and just like, yeah. you know, feminism 101. And this, a lot of people have taken this reading reviews and seeing what people are talking about, have taken it as that, that it's also about what it mm -hmm. means to be a woman. But I think it's, it just, what it means about you know being born into this world the world is terrible and we're all yeah. born into it and we somehow need to find ourselves and need to find people we like and need to find hope and need to not kill ourselves when we just imagine what's happening in the world right now in Sudan yeah. in Gaza and all those things that are happening like every day how do you how do we even go on um and that's part yeah. of the film like she discovers the brutality um, of the world and sort of like the failure of the human condition, basically. Um, mm -hmm. And yet she still, you know, charges through and finds a way and not always the best way. You know, it's an up and down relationship. So I related to it from that perspective. Like this is about how brutal and violent and awful it is to be born a human and expect to survive for like, you know, an average of 70 years or 80 years or however long it is in mm -hmm. this world as a human being. And with that perspective, I felt like it, um, it gave me something that you don't really get a lot. Plus all the other things, like it's a visual feast, like the, yeah. the costumes, the cinematography, the acting, everybody's at 17 out of 10. <laughs> um, Emma Stone is just moving up and down, working every last inch of her body, naked most of the time, which we shouldn't mention a lot, uh, but it is there and she's using her body to tell the story. Mark Ruffalo is giving these 
very funny comedic performance that is so extra with the facial expressions, with the body expressions, but also believable as somebody sexy and you will just forget how stupid they are and still want to fuck them. Um, It's a great performance. Um, Yeah, he he was my favorite in the film, definitely. (laughs) And also, I will say, like, I think that... Yorgos Lanthimos has a way of directing his actors that feels like it can accidentally sometimes verge on what Wes Anderson does with his actors, which is like Mm -hmm. there's a very deadpan quality to his um, direction and his screenplays. Mm. And I was glad that nobody fell in that trap in this movie. You they know. got they got his tone. They were all they were all yeah. working it. Like you know, Hannah Shigula appears in a couple of scenes. I know. I was oh. like, why is nobody talking about this? That's what I was thinking about the whole time. I'm I was just like, like, hello, she just showed up. Hello, Fassbender Muse. Let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Gerard Carmichael playing the most cynical mm-hmm. man ever on earth, and you know, doing it so deadpan. Um, we already talked about Rami and Mark Ruffalo, William Defoe, you know, literally playing a monster with a heart. Like he is the Frankenstein, the somebody who's like, you know, their physical exterior is hard to look at and sort of bellies maybe somebody who is cruel, but he is the gentlest person um, in this film. And he's able to, you know, to do that despite, you know, the, all the prosthetics that he's under. And I just thought the acting in this is top notch. Mm -hmm. top to bottom every role is perfectly cast and every person i mean even what's her name who was in one scene um or two scenes as the as the other frankenstein lady maggie andy mcdowell's daughter margaret qualley (laughs) margaret maggie margaret qualley (laughs) (laughs) she is even good in like two scenes playing like what if the experiment went wrong she really was there yeah (laughs) So, and what's his name that actor people love? Christopher Abbott, playing the meanest oh, man yeah. on earth. And he's like so good lot. at being mean. He's so yeah. good. <laughs> I really like him. He's really good. He's one of those who I think kind of goes under the radar, but is like mm-hmm. good every time he's in he anything. Is. He's great every time. I've seen him on stage too. He's great even on mm-hmm. stage. Um, And so there is extreme. Like I just said, you know, Gerard Carmichael is the most cynical man on earth. This Christopher Abbott is the meanest man on earth. So there are these extremes um, in character, in performance that I can see being jarring. Um, but somehow Yorgos Lantimos, with his tone, with his dialogue that's never, that's always heightened and never, you know, and sort of never really how people speak, somehow all of that just gels together. Um, because, and all, and you know, I, I love frames that are full. And this movie has so many things to look at. Just mm-hmm. the colors that pop, the costumes that pop, the places they go to, Lisbon and Alexandria. And it all looks like it was shot inside um, a big um, studio. Like, blue I don't, room. <laughs> blue yeah. room. Like, I don't think they went to Lisbon. but So it doesn't feel real. But also, it's a story about a lady Frankenstein. So nothing is real. Yeah. So all of this artifice sort of fits into the story. And it just makes it an enjoyable film to watch. Yeah, I did. I really love the costumes. Um, particularly that, I think it's like a, a yellow tulle dress or maybe that Emma Stone wears, something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah. um, I think when she's in Paris. 
I'm interested to see how this will do when it's actually released. I think obviously it's had a really strong critical reception. Most of the people I know who have seen it are very mm-hmm. much in a like a mm-hmm. five stars for poor things camp. Yes. Um, but I am curious how like a lot of older people res- will respond to it because yeah. it is unafraid of showing a lot of things that I think um I don't know if more conservative viewers will just be like what the hell am I watching <laughs> I mean I've already seen some people who don't love it and you know don't like the furious jumping um which is what she calls oh, sex yeah. um and yeah. all the you know it's excessive there's a lot of excess in this movie mm-hmm. um and you're right that will not be to everybody's liking or taste but it is mm-hmm. also um to me um I don't think it's a, it's as emotional, even though it is to my mind about the brutality of being human. It is not as emotional yeah. on some, as some other movies that we've um, that have come out this year. Um, it's yeah. a little bit it's more. Not, I don't know if it's for the melodrama girls, which is me. No, so I'm just like maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yes, but you know that's Yorgos Lantimos. He's like that's totally. not his thing. He's like yeah. Um, he goes to excesses, but not in emotion. Um, yeah, he wants he, he wants things to be a little fucked up, which I really like. Yes, yeah, and this is definitely fucked up. But yeah. <laughs> I think um, I think it's gonna get an um, like I think people are gonna love it. Critics for sure love it, so it should factor into awards. I think it's it's looking at it's looking at all those big awards: picture, director, actress, mm-hmm. supporting actor, maybe twice, Willem Dafoe and Mark Ruffalo. Um, I think if Lily Gladstone didn't have this amazing narrative this year, you know, we're recording this the day after the the Gossams where she won Best Actress mm-hmm. for a movie that nobody has heard of. Um, and it just... Yeah, for just, quote unquote, no country or whatever. Yeah, the yeah. country or something, um, which is not even <laughs> Fancy Dance, which is no, an amazing the, film that she was in this yeah. year too. Um, but it just means there there is this goodwill towards her and she is great in in um in killers of the flower moon but my thing about that movie is that if it wasn't lily gladstone with the goodwill from the industry with that narrative of no native actor have it has ever won an oscar and that she has definitely paid her dues in the last decade or whatever like that's not a best actress winning performance or role. Not not the performance. Let's just call it. It's not a Lily best actress. Yeah, it's not a best actress winning role because it's not. The, it's sort of like the supportive wife kind of, a little bit. You know, reacting more than than leading. It's um, like a nineteen seventies best actress role. Okay, maybe yes. Emma Stone's role is the definition of a best actress winning role. It's somebody who dominates the movie. The movie's about them. It's physical. It's like, you know, that. Um, so all of these things that are kind of will be seen as brave or whatever. And that that's on of itself is a narrative. But the one thing against her is that she already has an Oscar. So I don't think, and she's like, what, 32? So... Um, I don't think there is hurry in Hollywood to reward her again. But I think if she didn't have an Oscar, she would have definitely won for this. And there would have been no competition. Well, speak for yourself, because that's, a, that's not where, no offense to Emma Stone, that's not where my vote would have gone or would go. Yeah, but that's not my vote either. My vote is Sandra Holler. No, I know. But, but I mean, I'm mine just, too. Yeah. yeah, but I'm saying that just, you know, the industry would have probably, you know, she's a big star. 
somebody who can put, okay. you know. So she would have won if she hadn't already had an Oscar for sure. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's really early still. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I think the thing, if we were to compare those two performances, the thing that um, I think tips it for Lily Gladstone for me is, again, just going back to those ideas and like the ideas that Lily Gladstone's character is like that Molly's dealing with. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just more of like a psychological demand that I think is actually more difficult to put forward than what Emma Stone was doing. Mm. Like, I think Emma Stone's doing a lot, but I think um, it doesn't necessarily require it. This is always an Oscar battle. It's like subtlety or showy. And obviously the Oscars love showy and yeah. tend to go that route. But I think like there's such value in the very small, tiny details of what Lily Gladstone was doing that have to convey very, very big, complicated psychological states of being that like, mm. I think are very obviously put forward in poor things. And I find that less interesting personally. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I think it's it's a more obvious in your face performance and it's yep. definitely not subtle. It's the opposite of subtle, but I think she did an amazing job. I love her. I love Emma Stone. I'm coming out as an Emma Stone fan. If you didn't I'm know, watching the I, curse. She's oh, killing it on the curse. Oh, she's so funny. I haven't seen the curse yet. I'm saving that for like January when there's nothing to see. <laughs> oh, that's a good that's a good one. I've been trying to work out again, and so that's my like one hour long show that I'll like put <laughs> on while i'm doing something well you're doing oh okay cool that is perfect <laughs> um so yeah so just that, as I, the filmmakers intended i'm sure <laughs> yes so kind of that's that's our take on uh, on poor things so go see it let us know what you thought of it i'm sure we'll be talking about it more as it starts winning awards and getting nominations um, the other movie that we want to talk about is one I think we're the, on the opposite side of is Alexander yeah. Payne's The Holdovers, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't like much. And I think you liked it. Uh, I did. So, Izzy, what's The Holdovers about? Um, the Holdovers is about um, a New England boys school, like private sleepover, not sleepover, but I don't know. There's a campus on this of this school where mm-hmm. um, the boys live and there's a teacher played by Paul Giamatti who's kind of a grump and is notoriously difficult um, <laughs> and he's put in charge of watching over the boys who do not have anywhere to go for Thanksgiving for various reasons um, and so there's a group of about five of them but through a weird twist of fate it ends up being just one boy um who basically just has to hang out with um, Paul Giamatti and their chef, the Mm. school's chef um, and like random teachers and people they meet on the campus throughout the trip. But it basically becomes like the two of them hanging out and getting to know each other. And Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, like having revelations about their own lives through each other. Um, It is done. And here's why I liked it. Uh, this film, if you watch it, it feels like 
it's not a period piece. It feels like it was actually made <laughs> in 1970. And they do this very purposely, like everything about it, the music they use, the title sequences, even the trailer. If you've seen it, you'll know that mm -hmm. it had voiceover, which is almost never used anymore. Um, it's very much made intentionally to feel like you just stumbled upon TCM one day and there's this like gem that they unearthed from an archive somewhere that Hal mm -hmm. Ashby made. Um, in that way, I think it can feel very predictable. It's not really trying to do anything new, but at the same time, I think it kind of hits a nostalgia for people who love that kind of movie and love those filmmakers um, mm -hmm. to kind of see a very well done homage to that kind of filmmaking and that kind of sense of humor. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why I enjoyed it. I mean, I think it's a very heartwarming story and all of that, mm -hmm. but I think just kind of the experiment of doing a period piece in that fashion was really successful and really fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the predictability that you mentioned was my problem with it. Like, I think my first yeah. reaction after I left, I was like, there were like 17 Chekhov guns that I clocked in the first <laughs> half hour and they all came off. Um, yeah, and I'm just like, I was like the, the first half hour, I knew exactly how this movie is going to end. I knew exactly what's going to happen. I knew exactly what it's supposed, I'm supposed to feel. I knew exactly what every character is going to end up in the end with. And I was just like, why am I here? I already have <laughs> seen this film. Um, and that was my problem with it. And I was just not, I didn't think it was heartwarming at all because it was just so obvious. I mean, it was trying to be heartwarming, but you know, maybe I'm just a cold bitch because I Aren't did. we all sometimes? Aren't because, we all sometimes? Yeah, I did not feel anything. Um, and I had a major problem with the character played by Divine Joy Randolph, um, mm -hmm. who is, you know, the, she is, one of the three main characters, she is the, the is she the cook? The cook, right? She's the cook mm -hmm. at the school who also has, she's a holdover. She, she's staying too. Um, and, you know, this is in 1970. So her son has just died in Vietnam. And I was just like, I can't believe we're still doing this. We're still doing <laughs> the virtuous black person who is so hard up, you know, they are the help and they have a tragedy and we're supposed to feel sorry for them, but all their purpose is to be there so that the white people in the movie can learn a lesson or learn to be compassionate um, or whatever. She's a magical Negro. Um, and then they did try to do something with her. They gave her one scene where she becomes a mean drunk. So at least mm -hmm. there's that. So I do acknowledge yeah. that it's not a magical Negro from the beginning to end. She has a scene where she's a mean drunk. Um, I think the performance is very good considering what she's been given to work with. But I rolled my eyes so many times. Not really? at the actor, because she's wonderful, but at the writing that's very simplistic. And I'm like, yes, you're trying to make a movie a, a, from 1970, but we're in 2020. But you don't have to use the tropes from 1970. Exactly. Yeah. That's we're a totally fair point. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, don't use those tropes. So I that was like my big major point um, was not liking this film. You know... We're over, you know, white liberals trying to tell us, oh, you know, whatever, black people, 
yes, we should feel compassion to you. I'm like, fuck you. That's the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. Where's the money? Yeah. Or whatever. Like write, write her a complex character. Write her, you know, she doesn't have to be angry. Like there's not just two things. You are either an angry black man or a compassionate black woman. Like, come on. There's got to be more, more to to the black experience in this country than that like um mm-hmm. and all in the serve of what so some white teenager and white middle-aged man can learn a lesson and be friends and be nice to the black lady like what the fuck yeah anyway yeah no i think you're totally right and um i think that is kind of where the film i think falls a little short is how predictable it is and maybe like I don't know the lessons I I should, I guess, be consistent. So like if the lessons that were in poor things weren't necessarily complex or mind blowing, Mm -hmm. then the, then I should be consistent and say like the same thing of the holdovers. Like that is true. They're not exactly complex or surprising or unique Mm -hmm. revelations about the human experience. (laughs) Um, Yeah in the holders either yeah um but yeah but i do think like i don't know just something about the holiday vibes and mm-hmm. new england schools i am a, a tad biased toward those topics i will admit since yeah that is like my experience but yeah. um, <laughs> and we all have those biases and that's great yeah. you know you yeah. enjoyed you just had a better time watching the holdovers and i had a better time yeah. watching Poor things. And in the end, that's that's it. It's all subjective. And, you know, in the end, you can't separate your biases from what you see. So, mm. well, I mean, hopefully you sh- I think to a degree you should be able to, you know, yeah, but it's also you know, like- I, I actually don't try to separate my biases because I just think in the end, criticism and what we do is subjective and it's my opinion I'm not telling anyone like you know this is the opinion as some critics do and those are the critics I don't like reading who are like just think it's my opinion and that's the right opinion those people are terrible um the way I write and the way I talk about movies is like it's just my opinion it's one of a million so but that's what I like though too because I think when the people who assume like my opinion is the right opinion Mm-hmm. are obnoxious to begin with but then it's mm-hmm. also kind of like it doesn't leave room for just like things can kind of meet a qualitative threshold and mm-hmm. then from there taste kind of takes over and like what yeah. you kind of personally like and don't and like you're never alone in your taste like we obviously like a lot of the same things yeah so for it's like sure. when i read your reviews i could be like well i know that i generally like trust and agree with him so that helps me like inform how I might think about it. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you subscribe to certain tastes and that's really helpful with criticism. Mm-hmm. I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Yes. Um, the other thing I want to talk about was the holdovers and it's back to the divine joy Randolph. Um, mm-hmm. Part is that um, if we're talking about awards, this is the performance that everybody oh, thinks yeah. is at the top of the best actress list. And that best is supporting very supporting actress. Best, oh, yeah, not the best actress, best supporting actress. Yeah. You're right, best supporting. Um, and I think it's because it's the white guilt thing. Most of the people voting and or pundits or whatever um just see this and be like, Oh, yes, she broke my heart. I have to vote for her. She's <laughs> gonna win. And she I is think- good. You know, this is I for the 
17th time. This is not against the actor. She is wonderful. But this is a terrible part. Um, and she I just think there is such richness in the women performing on the margins of amazing movies this year. And this performance is not up there. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it in my top five for sure. Yeah. And also, I think... <laughs> When I feel like I've made videos before where I break down like the the best supporting actress wins by black characters and they're almost mm-hmm. always literally the help. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. And so like putting, I think award you shouldn't not award for that reason just to like defy the trope, but also like that is that would be very concerning to keep adding to that to the list. trope exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it- and also. Uh, I feel like there's so many things that haven't even come out yet. Like I'm hearing so much about Danielle Brooks from The Color Purple. Yes. Um, I saw on stage and like, I would believe that she absolutely is going to do something crazy. Oh, for sure. I'm seeing The Color Purple tonight. So I will report back next week. Yes. So there, yes. there is Daniel Brooks and Taraji P. Henson and uh, Shug Avery. And those two parts were played mm-hmm. and nominated the last time The Color Purple was uh, made into a movie in the 80s. So that always happens, just like, you know, the West Side Story, Anita Part won the Oscar again. <laughs> those things. Keep oh, my God. Yeah. Out. So they... Oprah didn't win the first time, though. <laughs> yes. But I think Daniel Brooks, that part is very good. And she has a very good song. So I think and she's such a charismatic actor she's like, so she's good i really so love fantastic her. one of the best contemporary actors working today on stage on film on tv whatever medium she is always so watchable and so amazing um and so i'm excited to see her mm-hmm. and i'm excited to see what she can do with sophia which is an amazing part um yeah and i saw her on stage um i yeah, saw her on stage and she was avail- amazing right like she was so good yeah she was so good yeah um Who i love you thinking for Best supporting so, actress. So I love Claire Foy in All of Us Strangers, which is opening later this. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the specificity of that um, performance because um, the story that it's based from is a straight love story, but it's about a man connecting with his parents. And Andrew Hay made it about his parents. He even shot it in his um you know, childhood home and she plays the mom, and she plays a very specific woman born in the late 40s, early 50s. Um, the story takes place in nine or her part of the story takes place in 1987. And it's very specific to how English women of the, that era think about themselves and talk and deal with queer people and with their families, husbands and children. And and it's the writing, but I just think it's such an amazing specific film. And it's also the emotional wallop because he he's searching for acceptance from his parents, as you know, a middle aged queer man whose parents died when he was really young. And when she gives it to him, um, and I'm spoiling my review because I wrote it, but it hasn't been published yet. When she gives it to him in the movie, I think she absolves a whole generation of men who have wanted to hear that from their mothers and a lot of them have not had. So it's very specific. And I think it hits a chord with, you know, queer men in particular, because that relationship between a queer man and his mom is very special. And it has like lots of um um you know lots of complexity for lack of a better word um Mm -hmm. and i think that's great a great performance and um and andrew scott would be my best actor vote oh my god he's so wonderful easily yes yes Yes. he's so wonderful um 
And um, the other, you know, we both love May, December, and we hear Julianne Moore is running supporting. So let's go. That's so crazy that she's running supporting. I mean, I get it, but it's also like, in what world? But also, sure. <laughs> yeah, like they're not going to put two actresses in Best Actress. That doesn't happen anymore. They have to divide and conquer. Yeah, so, sure. and, you know, we talked about uh, May, December a little bit when we talked about New York Film Festival. The movie is now out in theaters and it's going to be on Netflix very soon. So maybe this is a chance to just talk a little bit about Julianne Moore's performance and why I think it's, you know, Julianne Moore is somebody who is such a hit and miss for me. Sometimes I'm just like, what are you doing? But sometimes she is so fucking amazing. I just want to jump out and scream about how amazing she is. And she is amazing in May, December. She plays the ultimate narcissist. And, you know, the choices she makes in this film, um, the lisp, the famous lisp. And now we oh, can nice. talk about it since the movie's out. Her character has this lisp. And I remember um, when a movie played at New York, I asked Todd, was that lisp in the screenplay and he's like no Julianne showed up with the lisp the first day and Natalie had to learn it because Natalie is playing the actress who they will then play her yep, yep. and so not only is she amazing but she gave Natalie Portman homework so we love her double <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um I agree I think this is one one of Julianne Moore's best performances in years like I don't even know when the last one that's been this strong probably still was. alice or maybe even before that i think i think this is still alice yes it is better but that was a good performance yeah for sure yeah. yeah um i think it's because oh maybe the hours oh um, wow you're going back to the early 2000s let's go <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry julianne it's the script though i would say yeah um, but i would say that um there's something really nice about seeing her in a position where she is kind of evil. Mm. <laughs> I feel like she gets to play the good girl a lot. The good girl and the suffering wife and or mother. Mm. And here she's suffering, but it's kind of employed in a way that is so malicious and so um, viciously <laughs> executed and like predatory. Yes. Um, and it's so like... I don't know. It's just so stunning to see her in that kind of position because it's just so anti Julianne Moore. Yes. Um, She's always so maternal. I actually have not seen the Hunger Games, any of them. So I don't know if she's, oh, those movies I think she's are a terrible. bad person, right? She's a bad person. Yeah, well, she's never good at playing evil, especially in big blockbusters. Like that's here. her nader. She is here because she's yeah. working with Todd Haynes and because the script is so smart and because it gives her so yes. many things to sue, to say and do and because she's, acting against Natalie Portman who yeah. elevates her too let's not forget that the best yeah. scenes in this movie are that when her and Natalie are in the same frame okay do you remember that scene where he Charles Melton's character whose name I'm forgetting um confronts her in the bedroom and he's like I thought you know like why can't we talk about these things it's in the trailer um yeah and she she basically breaks down and this is the moment where you're like this woman is fucked up like this yes. woman has so many issues i can't even begin to describe where to start with them yeah. um but that scene was i think it's so perfect that you said that she was maternal because you can see the way that he is like using her maternal nature mm -hmm. to emphasize how 
far apart in age these two people are. Yeah. And so it really is just like a son comforting a mother as opposed to like a pair of equals in this yes. relationship. Yeah. Um, and it's really jarring and scary and um perfect casting and yes. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. And what I'm a up woman. <laughs> I'm obsessed with her too. Like this is the kind of performance that you just don't forget. You keep thinking yeah. about and you keep reliving moments. And she's so funny and she's to your point, so scary. And how, how can you do that and still yeah. be so watchable? Like when she's on, you don't want to look elsewhere, despite the amazing work that Natalie Portman is doing. Um, yeah. Yes. It's kind of, it's interesting. Like sometimes when you watch actors, you're thinking, oh, there's nothing going on behind the eyes. And what you usually mean by that is that they're not putting enough energy into the performance or they're being mm -hmm. lazy or they, they're not sure how to convey the, the emotion. But with Julianne Moore's performance in May, December, there's nothing going on behind the eyes because she, cho she chooses that mm -hmm. because this woman is a sociopath and has no <laughs> idea how to respond to everyday social interactions yes or anything or anyone it's just like yeah. she's so manipulative all what she knows how to do is manipulate the situation and the people around her and it's so yeah. scary but it's so fun to watch it's like i don't know like this is yeah the more i speak to you about it the more i think it's maybe her best performance ever like she's it's up there so, for sure. it's she is she is it people She's um. it. I was thinking about it though, because speaking of the Gotham Awards, Charles Melton won yesterday, which is fantastic for mm -hmm. May December. But I was like, I was thinking about it, and I was like, if the only performance Todd Haynes directs that wins an Oscar is a man's performance, I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, I will lose my mind too, especially in I mean, this movie. I like think he was, I think he was great. I love Charles Melton's performance, but I just think it's like ironic in the scheme of Todd Haynes' directorial career and how many yeah. inc truly incredible female performances he's directed. Yeah. That it would be just so funny if he like directs a man like once in a good role. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the performance that should have won. And a Todd Haynes movie for sure is Rooney Mara and Carol. Like, like Rooney Kate was not Kate. Well, Kate was not going to win a third Oscar two years after winning her second, so that was not well, going to happen. Okay, still, <laughs> still, that's the I mean, wins of course, me. I would have wanted them both to win, but I think there was a time when, like, especially considering who won, which was Alicia Vikander for the Danish Girl. Like, come on, people. <laughs> Um, but yes, I, I agree with you. I would be heartbroken if it's Charles Milton who wins Todd Haynes' first Oscar for acting. But yeah. also, I don't think he's going to get nominated because the oh, Gossams really? usually the Gossams are good at anointing people for bigger careers. But whoever they choose to win almost never wins the Oscar. Not it's more that. of a like Troy, Troy Coetzer won. Yeah, so it's did, um from everything everywhere all at once. He won. Uh, yes, there is always one who wins, sure. But for the most part, they don't. Like, you know, the year of Kate in Blue Jasmine, they gave their award to um, Brie Larson. The year of Frances McDormand in uh, Nomadland, they gave it to Nicole Bahari. Um, sometimes they're more about, oh, we believe in you. You have the talent to to become somebody major and and I think this 
I think this is what's going to happen to Charles Melton. I don't think he's going to win an Oscar. And I think his chances that are a nomination are, you know, I wouldn't call them yeah. slim, but they're not huge. Because here's he... Where, yeah, here's where I think it might be somewhat in his favor, though, is mm-hmm. because with Nicole Bahari, for example, or um, your other examples... Brie Larson. Yeah. yeah. Those are films where it's like there's literally no shot that this is nominated for an Oscar. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's Which kind was... of like this is the this is the opportunity for like that film to get something mm-hmm. out of the year. Yeah. Whereas May December, I mean Todd Haynes isn't like an Oscar favorite or anything. But, but his is... actors get nominated. Yeah. Like his there's enough crossover with that where it's mm-hmm. kind of like I could I could see it not being kind of like, oh, this is the May December prize. Like this mm-hmm. is you're just getting it like good mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Todd was so f- happy for him when he won. So, you know, yeah, we want Todd to be happy. So, <laughs> this we is the way to Todd make to him happy. Anything for uh, Todd. Yeah, and the you know, back to our sort of uh, best supporting actress conversation. You know, there is of course Jodie Foster, who we talked about in Nyad, who will yep. see the bet. Is she going to get nominated or not? And there is, um, mm-hmm. of course, Emily Blunt in Oppenheimer, who people think will get nominated. I love Emily Blunt, but she doesn't oh, do much. I still need to see that. Oh, damn. Um, but the woman yeah. who does so much, and she's in the one of the worst movies of the year, is Penelope Cruz in Ferrari. Ferrari is not about Penelope Cruz. Ferrari is about Ferrari. And I don't know why they cast Adam Driver when... The story takes Italians place. Italians exist. <laughs> not only Italians exist, but like, 50-year-old men exist. In the yeah. story, he's around 55, 56. I'm like, why are you casting Adam Driver and then, you know, giving him um, prosthetics to make him look saggy and gray hair so and whatever? Funny. It's it's terrible choice. And then he has that accent. But it doesn't matter because every time Penelope Cruz is on, is on screen, that woman has charisma for 7,000 other people. And she charges through this movie as Good. Ferrari's wife. And she just makes it her own with sheer will of force. Like there is literally um, a scene of her walking away from him with her back to the camera to Adam Driver and the camera is on her. And I swear there was more feeling and more emotion in the way she's walking with her back and you're only seeing her back than there is in like millions of performances that people give awards to. So I don't know Penelope Cruz how she does it, especially when she plays Italians. She is just on fire. Um, Her accent, of course, is perfect because I think she speaks Italian and that's not it, but it's the emotion and the the, the things that she does in this movie, she's so watchable. Um, and if there was no Claire Foy and there was no Julianne Moore, I would, she would be my, my, I can't choose between those three. I just think they're all fantastic. And I still haven't seen the color purple. So there's just a lot of wonderful performances in, in best supporting actress. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, including to... our favorite movie of the year, Saltburn, which has Rosamund Pike. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I know I wouldn't, you know, put her on like a nominations list, but I no, really enjoyed her performance in that. Yeah, movie. she's funny. Um, I mm-hmm. think, I think what we can promise maybe a gift to our listeners for Christmas is maybe we'll do an episode where we talk about Maestro and Saltburn, and we're gonna be <laughs> salty about both. <laughs> I know. I keep seeing so many good reviews of Maestro coming out, and I'm just like, 
am I going crazy? It feels like I don't know. I I mean, Maestro might win Best Actor and Best Actress. Oh, I know, and I don't want to think about it. It probably will win Best Actor, which is annoying. But mm. I am um, not as annoyed as you are with Maestro, but I also don't think he deserves awards. <laughs> it's just so flagrant. Anyway, flagrant foul. <laughs> so You know what I thought was interesting, though? Speaking of the Gothams and Best mm-hmm. Supporting Actress, um, first of all, that Sandra Holler, of the two performances she has this year, was nominated in Supporting for Zone of Interest rather than Lead in Anatomy of a Fall. Because to me, of the two of them, Anatomy of a Fall is far superior. I don't know. In terms of a performance. Who was on that, like, performance jury? I'm like, what are you doing, girl? And then, (laughs) but then also, um, I really hope she does not win Best Supporting Actress. I don't know that she would even get nominated for I don't think she's going to get nominated. No. I do not want... Um, my nightmare would be like an oppressor Nazi woman. <laughs> oh God, yeah, we don't. You know want, I, mean? I don't like, know. Yeah, I think oh. Danielle Brooks or Divine Joy Randolph or even Julianne Moore like will have better chances than her. They're just flashier, bigger parts. Yeah, yeah. Um, for winning anyway. I mean, she people love her so much this year, and she's rising this wave of like the best actress of the year. Then she might get two nominations, but I don't think she'll win. Um. And Anatomy of Fall did very well at the Gossams. It won Best International and Best Screenplay. Mm-hmm. So that bodes well for her yeah, um, and so. for the film itself. I think the film is going to be loved. And I wouldn't be surprised if she wins, like, if she becomes a Kate Blanchett and Tara of this year and wins a lot of the Critics Awards. Sure. And then kind of doesn't make it across the finish line. Yeah. Doesn't win the Oscar, but definitely Sad. gets nominated. Yes. I always, yeah, I guess I always pick some, like, middle-aged german to like be infatuated with for one for award yes. season this is the sandra huller fan podcast um yeah. but we promise you we will talk about maestro and soul burn before the year is over um and let us know if there are other december movies we'll probably talk about all of us strangers the color purple which is coming at christmas we'll probably talk about in january um yeah. but we have other surprises coming in december so um, stick around, tell your friends, tell your neighbors that this is the best po- best podcast and give us some five <laughs> stars. Um, Izzy, where can the lovely listeners find you? Twitter is BK Rewind, Instagram BK underscore Rewind, YouTube, Be Kind Rewind. Yes, I'm on Twitter at Emmy underscore says, on Instagram at Mortada underscore E. And you may read my reviews at Variety and the AV Club. This week, um, I'll have reviews for American Fiction and Eileen, which are the two movies that are also released the same day as Poor Things. And we will probably discuss later on the podcast. Fabulous. All right. I think we're good. Beautiful.